You're listening to Face the Jury, a podcast dedicated to confronting the issues of medical malpractice in America, what it is, how to spot it, and how to protect you and your family from medical negligence. I am your host, Lloyd Bell, a medical malpractice trial lawyer representing people who have been harmed by medical negligence. For more information, please visit belllawfirm.com. Thank you for joining me on this uh, podcast. This is our inaugural podcast of Face the Jury. Uh, This podcast is dedicated to addressing the issues of medical negligence. Medical error is the third leading cause of death in the United States, according to a recent John Hopkins study, third only to heart disease and cancer. And by medical error, we're talking about preventable medical errors. We're not talking about just a bad outcome or an unexpected outcome. We're talking about what has been determined to be preventable medical errors. How is this possible in our country? We pay more for care than any other country in the world. We have the leading research institutions in the world. We have wonderful facilities such as the Sloan Kettering Hospital. We have Johns Hopkins, of course. We've got the Shepherd Center in Atlanta. We have wonderful facilities, wonderful research, and America is consistently in the lead when it comes to developing new treatments, new medications, new ways to help people. So how is it that medical negligence is such a prevalent problem in America? And the conclusion that I have reached over 25 years of representing people who have been victims of medical negligence is that there is a direct relationship between the industrialization of medical care versus the patient-doctor-oriented medical care. Now, what am I talking about? It will come as no surprise to anybody listening to this podcast that money is the predominant factor in healthcare in America. The money that doctors get paid from insurance companies, from Medicare, from Medicaid, those reimbursable amounts have changed dramatically over the years. Doctors make less money per capita now than they did decades ago. The healthcare industry has shifted My father was a physician. He was a general surgeon and had a small country practice in a rural community south of Atlanta. And his relationship with his patients when I was coming along was a personal one. He could spend time with his patients, get to know them, get to know their habits. And of course, he enjoyed that aspect of practicing medicine, but it was also important for him to be able to deliver quality care to his patients because he knew who they were and he remembered their habits and he remembered those things that could affect their health care. What's changed over the past two decades is the small practices that, such as the one my father was in, have been gobbled up by these large healthcare corporations. And these healthcare corporations will absorb all of these small practices, whether they're family care practices or specialty practices. And then they impose a structure, a rigidity to extract as much financial benefit, as much money as they can. Well, how does that impact patients? Well, patients used to see their doctor and a doctor would see a number of patients a day. These large corporations drive doctors to see more and more patients, perform more and more procedures, and to accelerate this conveyor belt of medicine to maximize profits, which can and often does impact on patient safety. There is a measure of reimbursement in the medical community known as RVUs, revenue value units. And this is directly from the government. These are Medicare components or units, and they are what are used to measure productivity by healthcare professionals. Well, 
Predictably, the more patients a doctor sees, the higher that doctor's RVUs, the higher the profitability of that doctor, and that leads to greater compensation. So where a doctor may have seen 15, maybe 20 patients in a day two decades ago, that same doctor may see 50 or 60 patients in a day. Well, you can imagine, you can't know 50 or 60 people that you meet in a day. You can spend a few minutes with them. You can look at their chart. You can look at their vitals, but you can't know who they are. You can't really understand and appreciate all of the different factors that may go into their healthcare decisions that keep them safe. So these are the problems, the systemic problems that have impacted healthcare in America. And unfortunately, I'm seeing far too many examples of patients falling through the cracks, not getting the attention and the care that they're entitled to, that they deserve the standard of care. We'll talk more about that later, but they're not getting the care that they're entitled to as patients. And of course, when doctors see such a volume of patients and patients are pushed through the conveyor belt at speed, accidents are going to happen. Mistakes are going to be made. Data is going to be missed. Facts are going to be ignored. It's rarely because anybody meant to hurt anybody. And we hear that a lot. You know, the doctor didn't mean to hurt anybody. Well, if doctors, nurses, healthcare professionals are not following basic safety rules and they're allowing information not to be passed along to other healthcare providers, then they are making a choice. They are choosing to put patient safety at risk by not doing their job in a responsible manner that meets the standard of care. My job, as I see it, is to look at the details, to go through the medical record and to understand where the system failures were, to look through the medicine, look through the records, talk to the experts, find out if there's a case. It is no small thing to accuse a healthcare professional of malpractice. As I mentioned, I come from a family of doctors, my father, my uncle, cousins, and doctors don't want to be accused of hurting a patient. And that happens. Sometimes they get accused where, where they shouldn't be. So it's very important to be diligent in examining the records and understanding the medicine before reaching a conclusion whether a healthcare professional, a doctor, did something wrong. But if they did, if the doctor chose to put their interests above their patients, the doctor chooses not to come to see a patient in a timely way when the patient is in distress and that leads to harm or worse, death, then the doctor needs to be held accountable, just like anybody else who doesn't do their job the way they should and causes harm. One example I like to use to help explain this concept to folks about the need for accountability is when we're out driving around our neighborhoods and we come up to a stop sign and if we're playing on our phone or messing with the radio or drinking a cup of coffee, whatever, and blow through that stop sign and hurt somebody. Nobody would have any reluctance or objection to holding accountable that person for running the stop sign. person might say, well, I didn't mean to run through the stop sign. Uh, I didn't mean to hurt anybody. No, but you made some choices that put other drivers at risk to play with your phone, to mess with a cup of coffee, whatever it is. In medicine, it's the same thing. Doctors have to follow rules of the road. And if good friend of mine and wonderful trial lawyer, Rick Friedman, has written books about this concept that professionals, doctors have to follow rules of the road, wash their hands before taking care of a patient, certain basic rules. And when they don't follow those rules and somebody gets hurt, that is when there has to be accountability so that, first of all, the victim of the malpractice is compensated in accordance with law. And number two, that the doctor fearing another financial consequence will make sure to follow the rules the next time. 
A car wreck at an intersection is one example of failing to follow the rules of the road leading to harm. In a medical malpractice case, it can be much more complicated. There may be simple rules of the road violations which happen. A nurse giving the wrong medication to a patient. A surgeon taking off the wrong leg in an amputation case and taking off a patient's healthy leg as opposed to their leg that has disease. These types of rules of the road violations happen every day in hospitals around America. And the consequence to the patient is devastating. It can be a lifetime of loss of function, loss of ability to take care of your family, loss of your ability to have intimate relations with your spouse. The consequences can be catastrophic. But the defense fights these cases with a aggression that you don't often, at least I haven't often seen in my practice. The attorneys who defend these healthcare corporations are very talented, highly compensated by the insurance companies that hire them to defend the healthcare clients. So it takes a, a lot of diligence, attention to detail, a willingness to dig deep into the medicine, understand the medicine at least at the same level as the doctor, maybe even at a higher level. These are part of the challenges that people have when they're facing potential medical malpractice case. And these cases can go on for a while. There are very few cases that are settled without a lawsuit in medical malpractice. So attorneys uh, like me and others who represent people and patients who've been injured, our job is sort of to hold the line against a healthcare industry that too often puts profits over patients. And we do this by looking under the rocks, looking at the medical records and understanding what happened. A lot of times we find out that there was negligence and the family decides not to pursue it further. And they're satisfied to have answers to their questions. So they don't have to always be asking themselves, I wonder what really happened. I don't feel like they were really telling me the truth. Our job is to find the truth. Our job is to do the hard work necessary to understand the truth and advise our clients appropriately and let them make the choice on how they want to proceed from there. So why do we need trial lawyers to serve this role? Why can't the government, the healthcare organizations police themselves? Why can't the government take on this job of examining these incidents of suspected medical malpractice and hold the doctors accountable? Why do trial lawyers need to get involved? The truth is that trial lawyers are often the last line of defense in understanding if there has been medical malpractice. The doctors groups who support the healthcare profession, the organizations such as the American Medical Association and many others, they are not in the business of policing themselves and disciplining doctors who cause harm to their patients. They're just not. They are political organizations. They serve important functions education, mental health support for medical professionals, but they're not police forces and they are not the government. So why can't you turn to the government? Why can't the government investigate? Well, they just don't have the resources to do it, particularly nowadays with the demands from the pandemic and all of that goes with that. The government just doesn't have the resources or the incentives to do it. Of course, trial lawyers do. Trial lawyers are paid by the recoveries they achieve for their clients. If a client is unsuccessful in their lawsuit and does not receive any compensation, then the trial lawyer does not receive any compensation for his or her work in the case, the investment in the case, both in time and resources. So that's the reality of America healthcare system. And that's the reality of how to deal with medical malpractice. Um, again, the third leading cause of death in America. My goal with this podcast 
is to help educate folks to protect themselves. And we're going to be talking a lot about different cases I've handled over the years, drawing lessons from those cases so that people can have that information and knowledge when they interact with their healthcare professional. So we're going to be talking about cases. We're going to be talking about strategies for protecting yourself. I'm going to talk about some of the legal issues involved in bringing a medical malpractice case if you believe you've been a victim of malpractice or a family member has been. So there's going to be a lot to talk about. There are a lot of issues involving this topic, and I feel very passionately about medical malpractice. And my goal is that I frankly get put out of business and that doctors, healthcare professionals change the way they do business and that medical malpractice moves from number three to number five to 10 and hopefully off the top 100 chart for preventable deaths in America. Next time on Face the Jury, with so much medical error impacting so many lives, how do you protect yourself against malpractice? The answer is to better understand what malpractice is so you can see it coming. We're going to be talking about the case of Ryan Stevens, a young man who died of preventable testicular cancer. He was misdiagnosed. The system failures, the lack of communication led directly to his death at the age of 26. Face the Jury is produced by Lloyd Bell and Adam Kincaid, executive producer Lauren Shankman, and audio engineer Joel Edwards. I'm your host, Lloyd Bell. Join us, as always, next week on Face the Jury.